sermon, while speaking about the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, I spoke on Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud. There are plenty of narrations about him, either narrated by himself or others, and some of them were left out, which I will mention now. Some of the elder and more senior companions used to say about Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, that he had an exceptional status with regards to his closeness to God Almighty and his relationship with him. Also, in addition to the names of Hazrat Abu Bakr ta'ala anhu and Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu, the name of Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud was also among the companions regarding whom the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used to specially advise others to take them as a shining model. And according to another narration, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used to tell them to hold fast to the way or the practice of Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had special trust in him. And also, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud had exceptional love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. I have previously narrated some of the accounts of his life. However, there are many others. Some are similar to each other, but have been narrated by different narrators and thus have a different perspective. It has been written about him that in terms of his spirituality, due to the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, it had transformed Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud into a righteous, pious and worshipping individual. He was so fond of worshipping and offering the nuafil, i.e. voluntary prayers, that in addition to the obligatory prayers and the tahajjud prayer, he would also observe the prayer at the time of charsh, i.e. the period between morning and noon. Likewise, he used to observe voluntary fasts every Monday and Thursday, and despite this, he would be worried that he may not be fasting sufficiently. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud used to say, 
that my body begins to feel weak due to tahajjud prayer. He used to observe a lengthy tahajjud prayer and if one observes tahajjud and nawafil as they truly deserve to be offered, then one indeed feels very weak. Hence, he used to say that giving precedence to salat over fasting, I observe relatively less voluntary fasts. On one occasion, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, after having addressed people briefly, instructed Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu to also give them some advice. And so, Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu addressed them briefly. Then, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed Hazrat Umar anhu to do the same. He also addressed them, but even more briefly than Hazrat Abu Bakr anhu. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then instructed another person who began delivering a very lengthy speech. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed him to quieten and to take his seat. Thereafter, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud to deliver a speech. And so, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud first praised and glorified God Almighty and then said, O people, Allah is our Lord. The Qur'an is our guide, the house of Allah is our Qibla, and Muhammad wasallam is our Prophet. And according to another narration, he said that we are content with having Allah as our Lord and Islam as our faith. And I desire for you whatever God and His Messenger desire. Upon this, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said that Abdullah bin Masood has spoken the truth. And I too desire for my Ummah, i.e. followers, what Ibn Mas'ud has desired. When Hazrat Ali ta'ala anhu went to Kufa, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, who had previously lived there, was mentioned during one of his sittings. And people praised him and said, that, O Amir al-Mu'mineen, I chief of the believers, we have not seen anyone greater than Abdullah bin Mas'ud in terms of excellent morals, teaching with kindness, keeping exceptional company, and extremely God-fearing. And so, in order to test them, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu addressed all of them and said, I swear by God Almighty, and I ask you to tell me truthfully whether you give this testimony with a pure heart, Everyone replied that indeed they did so. Upon this, Hazrat Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that, O Allah, remain a witness to this. O Allah, I also share the very same opinion of these people about Abdullah bin Mas'ud. As a matter of fact, I hold a far greater opinion of him. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud fulfill the rights of the bond of brotherhood as established by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, with his brother in faith, Hazrat Zubair bin Al-Awam, in an excellent manner. And placing his entire trust in him, he bequeathed him to take care of all of his financial matters. In other words, he had said that all of his affairs and the property that he will leave behind will be entrusted to Hazrat Zubair bin Al-Awam and his son, 
Abdullah bin Zubair. Furthermore, he said that their decisions in relation to his domestic affairs would be final and they must be complied with. Abu Wail narrates that Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud once saw the garment of a person tied around the waist in a manner that the cloth would reach the lower part of his ankles, upon which he asked him to raise it above his ankles. However, the person replied to him saying that he should also raise his garment above his ankles. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud replied that I am not like you, my calves are thin and I am also slim. However, when Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu came to know of this, he reprimanded this person for speaking and replying to Hazrat ibn Mas'ud in the manner he did. It is possible that this person was arrogant as it was a custom at that time to wear long garments as an indication of one's pride. Hence, it is possible that Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud explained this to him and in response to this, without looking at how modest he was, how ardently he followed the commandments of God Almighty and how much he feared God Almighty, he replied in the manner he did. Hence, when Hazrat Umar came to know of this, he reprimanded him. With regards to the obedience of Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud towards the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Khalifatul Masisani has stated on one occasion that we find an incident in the Ahadith by the sayings and traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, from which we are able to gauge the spirit of his obedience. A person may listen to this and consider it to be foolishness. However, as I have mentioned, Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II states that the secret of his progress lied in the very fact that as soon as he heard an instruction from the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he would immediately be prepared to comply with it. Hazrat Khalifatul Masih II anhu states that in the Ahadith, i.e. the traditions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, it is mentioned that once Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud was walking towards a gathering which was being held in the company of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud was still on the path outside when he heard the following words of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that people should take seats. It seems that the crowd might have been too big and people might have been standing on the sides upon which the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, had instructed them to take a seat. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud had not yet reached the gathering. However, he heard this voice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, whilst he was still outside in the path and immediately sat down and dragged himself to the mosque in this very posture, similar to a child that crawls. When a person who was unable to understand the secret of how obedience and the very spirit of it enables nations to succeed in the world, saw Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud drag himself in this manner. He criticized him and asked him what kind of foolishness this was. This person considered this to be a foolish act and was completely unaware of the fact that the primary principle for nations to succeed was in fact obedience. Nonetheless, he told him, that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, intended to say that the people who are standing on the edges of the mosque should sit down. However, you are stood on the path outside and have dragged yourself to the mosque. You should have entered the mosque and then sat down. 
but what was the point of sitting down on the path? However, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud replied that indeed this might have been correct. However, if I had passed away prior to reaching the mosque, I would not have complied with the instruction of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and there would at least have remained one aspect which I did not comply with. Thus, this was the passion of these people in that they desired to comply with every word of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud said that he had heard this instruction and became worried that if he had, would have passed away at that moment, a statement would have been added to his ledger of actions of not complying with this instruction despite having heard it. And so he said to him that due to this he did not consider it appropriate to continue to walk and to only sit down once he had entered the mosque. He said that I thought of the unpredictability of life and whether I would reach the mosque or not. Therefore I decided to sit down now in order to comply with this instruction as well. Thus these people assessed everything with such minute detail. Hazrat Muslim Ta'ala Anhu further writes that there is another incident regarding the very same companion Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud. During the Khilafat of Hazrat Usman Ta'ala Anhu, he once offered four rakats, i.e. four units of prayer in Mecca during the days of Hajj, i.e. the Islamic pilgrimage to Mecca. Hazrat Usman Ta'ala Anhu had gone for Hajj and the stay there was short and he had offered four rakats However, when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, went for Hajj, he offered two rakats, as a person on a journey is constructed to only offer two rakats. Following this, when Hazrat Abu Bakr went for Hajj during his Khilafat, he also offered two rakats of prayer. And when Hazrat Umar went for Hajj, he also only offered two rakats. In other words, whenever they were entitled to shorten the prayers, they did so. However, Hazrat Usman anhu offered four rakats of prayer. As a result, this created some commotion between people at the time. They said that Hazrat Usman anhu had modified the tradition of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. Hence, people approached Hazrat Usman anhu and they inquired as to why he had offered four rakats. Hazrat Usman anhu replied, the fact of the matter is that I formed a decision according to my understanding, which is that presently many people have entered Islam from distant places and have also started coming for Hajj from those places. And many of them are not as aware of matters related to Islam as people previously were. Now they merely look at our practice and they look at what we, the older Muslims, are doing. Furthermore, they imitate what they, say, what they see us doing and they say that this is the Islamic injunction. Now since these people come to Medina very little, and they do not get the opportunity to stay there and observe our prayers, thus I thought that if they observe me offering two rakats on the occasion of Hajj, and if they see me shorten the prayer, they will return to their areas and immediately announce that they observed the Khalifa offer only two rakats, and therefore the actual Islamic injunction is to only offer two rakats. However, 
Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that when these people return to their areas and announce this, it will create a sense of dissension within Islam and people will be misled as they will be unaware of the fact that the two rakats were offered as a result of being on journey. Therefore, this was the decision of Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu based on his understanding of the circumstances of the time. And so Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu said that due to this, I considered it appropriate to offer four rakats so that they will not forget that there are actually four rakats of prayer. But as for whether or not it was permissible for me to offer four rakats, the answer to this Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu gave as to why he performed four rakats and why it was permissible for him to do so, he said that I married someone here in Mecca. So seeing as the hometown of the wife is also my hometown, that is because all of his family's wife and all of the in-laws live there, i.e. in Mecca, so for this reason I do not consider myself a traveller and therefore I perform the prayer in full. And so this is a proof he gave in support of his reasoning. Hence, Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu explained why he offered four rakas with the purpose of which he stated was so that the people are not misled and that they do not stumble in learning the true teachings of Islam. Indeed, this was a very exquisite explanation of his and full of wisdom. And when the companions heard of this, most of them understood, but some failed to and remained silent. However, there were others who desired to cause mischief and made an uproar that Hazrat Usman anhu had acted in contrary to the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so, some of those among the mischief makers went to Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, telling him that did you not see what happened today? The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, acted in such a manner, whereas today Hazrat Usman anhu acted in a completely different manner. They also mentioned to Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud that during the days of Hajj, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would arrive in Mecca and only perform two rakats of prayer, i.e. two units of prayer, whereas Hazrat Usman anhu has performed four. And so, having heard this, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud replied, that look, it is not our duty to create mischief, as the Khalifa must have done so out of his wisdom which we do not realize as of yet. Therefore, do not cause any kind of conflict. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud then said, that I also performed four rakats of prayer behind Hazrat Usman radiallahu ta'ala anhu. But, immediately after the prayer, I raised my hands in supplication to God Almighty. And I prayed, that, O oh Allah, accept from my prayer those two rakats which we would offer with the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and there is no need to accept the other two as a part of my prayer. In relation to this, Hazrat Muslim ta'ala anhu states that how wonderful is the state of devotion and love which was found in Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, that he performed four rakats, i.e. four units of prayer, but was not satisfied to attain any more reward than the two rakats performed by the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And so he supplicated to God Almighty, saying, that, O Allah, accept only two rakats and not four. 
As for those following, they performed the four rakats behind the Khalifa of the time out of sheer obedience. So they attained the reward of the prayer and also the reward of obedience. However, the perspective of Abdullah bin Mas'ud was that he had obeyed, but at the same time prayed to God Almighty, that I do not wish to receive more reward than what the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, enabled us to attain when he prayed before us. For this reason he prayed to God Almighty to only accept two rakats of his prayer. Hazrat Muslim Anhu then further writes that he also possessed an exemplary level of obedience to Khilafat. He was not aware of the reason why Hazrat Usman Anhu performed the four rakats in place of two, albeit this reason has been deemed correct by many. When he goes to his wife's home, he doesn't consider it to be a journey. When he goes to his son's home, he doesn't consider it to be a journey. When he goes to his parents' home, he doesn't consider it to be a journey. Therefore, his dealing of the matter was correct. This precaution of Hazrat Usman so that the people coming from afar are not misled and to prevent any obstacle in the progress of Islam is a proof of his extremely high level of righteousness. This was the extraordinary state of his piety that his intention was for the people to not stumble. Nevertheless, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud was not aware of the reasoning at the time as to why Hazrat Usman anhu had offered four rak'ats. Yet, he did not end his prayer abruptly. Rather, he completed the prayer and showed complete obedience to Khilafat and then later supplicated to God Almighty, saying that, O Allah, accept two of my rakats, not four. And so, this was the extraordinary obedience and spirit of following the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, in every step which he possessed. This is why, despite the fact that the companions were completely illiterate, and it was commonly stated that there were only seven literate people in the whole of Mecca. But in spite of this, they triumphed over the whole world. Hence, as a result of their obedience, this is the station that they attained, and the success that they gained. Therefore, we must always remember this specific point. And so, this incident not only displays the obedience of Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud to Khilafat, but also shows his ardent love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. It is for this reason that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, praised the stance of Abdullah bin Mas'ud on many occasions, and this itself is the way of avoiding mischief and disorder. Therefore, this is the example that every Ahmadi must try to follow. On one occasion, Hazrat Umar anhu met a caravan of people, but because of the darkness he was unable to recognize them. And among that group was Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud. Hazrat Umar anhu sent someone to ask where the group had come from. When he inquired, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud answered, that Fajjul Amik, are you from a distant track? He then asked, that where are you heading to? And he replied, to Baitul Atiq, i.e. the ancient house, that is the Kaaba. Hazrat Umar anhu then asked, Is there any scholar among them? And instructed someone to ask them which verse of the Holy Qur'an is the loftiest. Upon the inquiry of Hazrat Umar anhu, 
Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, who was in that delegation, answered that it is Ayatul Kursi, that is, Allahu la ilaha illa huwal hayyul qayyum, meaning, Allah, there is no God but He, the living, the self-subsisting, and all-sustaining. Slumber seizes Him not, nor sleep. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu then asked that which is the most encapsulating verse of the Holy Qur'an. And Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud replied that إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَأْمُرُ بِالْعَدْلِ وَالْإِحْسَانِ وَإِتَاءِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى That is, verily Allah enjoins justice and the doing of good to others and giving like kindred. Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu then instructed the man to ask which is the most comprehensive verse of the Holy Qur'an. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud answered فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَى وَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ شَرًا يَرَى That is, and whoso does an atom's weight of good will see it, and whoso does an atom's weight of evil will also see it. He then asked, which is the verse of the Holy Qur'an which causes one to tremor the most? Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud replied, لَيْسَ بِإِمَانِيِّكُمْ وَلَا أَمَانِيِّ يَحْلِ الْكِتَابِ مَنْ يَعْمَلْ سُوءٌ يُجْزَبِ Meaning, it shall not be according to your desires, nor according to the desires of the people of the book. Whoso does evil shall be rewarded for it, and he shall find for himself no friend or helper beside Allah. Hazrat Umar anhu then told him to ask which of the verses of the Holy Quran is the most promising. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud replied, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا أَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَتُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الزُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ وَالْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Meaning, O my servants who have committed excesses against their own souls, despair not of the mercy of Allah. Surely Allah forgives all sins. Verily, He is most forgiving, merciful. After hearing all of this, Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu then said, Ask if among them is Abdullah bin Mas'ud. The group said, Yes, by God He is among us. Having heard all this, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was of the opinion of him that he was full of understanding. And after hearing all the responses, Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu was sure that it was only Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud who could give such scholarly answers. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud relates, On the day of Badr, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said, What do you suggest regarding these prisoners? Hazrat Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu replied, O Messenger of Allah, they are your people and your family. So keep them alive and give them respite, and perhaps God Almighty may cause them to repent. Then Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu said, O Messenger of Allah, they drove you out and disbelieved you, so bring them forth and strike their necks. Then Hazrat Abdullah bin Rawaha said, O Messenger of Allah, find a deep jungle and leave them in there and then set it alight. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, heard everyone's suggestions, but did not make any decision and returned to his camp. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud states, the people began to discuss whose advice would be taken. Then a short while later, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, came out of his camp and said, God Almighty makes some men's hearts so soft that they are softer than milk, and he makes the hearts of some men so hard that they are harder than rock. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, O Abu Bakr, 
your likeness is that of Hazrat Ibrahim salam, who said, So whoever follows me, he is certainly of me, and whoever disobeys me, thou art surely most forgiving, merciful. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then also said to Hazrat Abu Bakr, that your likeness is that of Hazrat Isa salam, who said, If thou punish them, they are thy servants, and if thou forgive them, thou surely art the mighty, the wise. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said to Hazrat Umar ta'ala anhu, that your likeness, O Umar, is that of Hazrat Nuh who said, My Lord, leave not in the land a single one of the disbelievers. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then also said that your likeness, O Umar, is that of Hazrat Musa who said, Our Lord, destroy their riches and attack their hearts and they are not going to believe until they see the grievous punishment. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, then said, that since you are all in need, therefore the prisoners shall be freed if they pay ransom, otherwise their necks shall be struck. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu states that I said, O Prophet of Allah, peace be upon him, exempt Sahal bin Baida from this ruling, for I heard him speak well of Islam. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, remained silent. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu then states that I was never more afraid that a rock would fall on me from heaven than on that day. But eventually, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, exempted Sahal bin Beda. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud anhu, believed that the silence of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to be a sign of his displeasure, and thus out of the fear of God and the fear of his wrath, his state completely changed. The status of his fear of God was unbelievable. And according to the practice of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud would only deliver a talk on Thursdays, which would always be very short and concise. His words were so effective and eloquent that Hazrat Abdullah bin Mirdas relates that when Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud would finish his speech, it would be our desire that he would say something more. In the evenings, he would often mention one saying from the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And whilst relating the ahadith, his affection and love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would be evident. One of his students, Masrooq, states that one day he narrated a saying of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, to us. And when he reached the words that Samitu Rasulullah, that is, I heard the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, say, his body began to tremble out of fear so much that his clothes began to rapidly move. After that, to be more cautious, he added the words that perhaps the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, said these words or used similar words. And whilst narrating any tradition of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he would be extremely cautious. And this was due to the warning of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that whosoever narrated a false hadith would be held accountable for it.
in regards to this level of caution that he would take, we find an example of this from the following narration. Amr bin Maymun narrates that I frequently visited Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud for one whole year. He would be very cautious when narrating any hadith. He says that once when I heard Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud say that qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam i.e. that the messenger of Allah said he went into a state of anguish and sweat began to drip from his forehead. Then he said that the Holy Prophet peace be upon him used the same or similar words. The state of his fear of God was such that he would say that after death may I not be raised so that I am protected from accountability in the hereafter. Hazrat Abdullah narrates, Once Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud was feeling ill and became extremely terrified. We asked, We have never seen you this troubled at times of illnesses before this. Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud replied, I became sick suddenly and did not consider myself to be prepared to face the afterlife and it was this that was worrying me. While speaking about his own death he stated, That day shall not be easy for me. My desire is not to be raised up after my death. It is then narrated by Ibn Mas'ud that he wrote in the name of God, the gracious, the merciful, that is Bismillah rahman rahim in his will. Nowadays it is quite common to write this, i.e. Bismillah rahman rahim However, the fact that Ibn Mas'ud has specifically mentioned this means that Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud possessed the true understanding of these words when he wrote them in his will. He understood the attributes of Allah the Almighty as being gracious and merciful. And for this reason he began this document by using these attributes. He was aware of the fact that if there was anything in his will which could lead to the displeasure and punishment of God Almighty, then may the gracious and merciful God protect him from it. By the grace of God Almighty, Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud had become so fluent that in the last few years of his life he stopped accepting his stipend. In this condition of having no financial worries, when his financial worth was 90,000 dirham, however he wrote in his will that at the time of his burial his shroud should consist of very simple cloths worth 200 dirham and after his demise he should be buried alongside the grave of Hazrat Usman bin Maz'un. And as mentioned earlier that Hazrat Usman ta'ala anhu led his funeral prayers and he was buried in Jannatul Baqi at night. There is another narration that after the burial of Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, the person narrating this incident walked by his grave in the morning and noticed that there was water sprinkled on it. Thus this shows the great respect people had for him, that they made means of solidifying his grave overnight by sprinkling water over it. Then Abu Ahfaz narrates, that after the demise of Hazrat Abdullah bin Mas'ud, I was in the presence of Hazrat Abu Musa and Hazrat Abu Mas'ud. One of them said to the other, that has Ibn Mas'ud left behind anyone like him? They responded, right now there is no one amongst us like him. Perhaps after we pass someone like him might be born. Then Hazrat Amin bin Haram narrates, that I have attended numerous gatherings of the companions of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. 
However, I have ne- never met anyone more disinterested with the world and more concerned about the Day of Judgment than Hazrat Abdullah bin Masood. The other companion who I shall mention today is Hazrat Qudama bin Maz'oon. Hazrat Qudama bin Maz'oon was the brother of Hazrat Usman bin Maz'oon and was the husband of Hazrat Safiya who was the sister of Hazrat Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Hazrat Qudama bin Maz'oon had multiple marriages. One of his wives was Hind bint Walid who gave birth to Umar and Fatima. Another wife was Fatima bint Abu Sufyan who gave birth to his daughter Aisha. Then there was Ummi Wald who gave birth to Hafsa and Hazrat Safiya bin Khitab gave birth to Hazrat Ramla. He was 19 years of age when he accepted Islam. Thus he accepted Islam at a very young age and his entire family left their homes in Mecca and resettled when the migration to Medina took place. In Medina, his family was hosted by Abdullah bin Salma Ajlani, and when the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, migrated from Mecca to Medina, he arranged permanent residences for Hazrat Qudama and his brothers by allotting them pieces of land. Hazrat Qudama was amongst those early Muslims who had participated in both the migration to Abyssinia and to Medina. He was able to participate in the Battle of Badr, Uhud, and all other battles alongside the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. When Hazrat Usman bin Maz'oon passed away, he left behind one daughter, about whom he had advised his brother Hazrat Qudama to look after. Hazrat Abdullah bin Amr relates that both Hazrat Usman bin Maz'oon and Hazrat Qudama were my maternal uncles. I visited Hazrat Qudama and requested for the hand of the daughter of Hazrat Usman bin Maz'oon in marriage, and he agreed. He then states that Mughera bin Shaba visited the mother of this girl and persuaded her for her daughter's marriage by offering some financial incentive, and the girl was also of the same opinion as her mother. In other words, there was a marriage proposal, but the girl and the mother were inclined towards the other proposal that came. Subsequently, this matter was then presented to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, and he called for Hazrat Qudama and asked him about this marriage proposal. Hazrat Qudama replied that, O Prophet of Allah, peace be upon him, this girl is my brother's daughter, and I will not be negligent in selecting someone to marry her. That is, she is the daughter of my brother who passed away, and I will find the best possible person for her to marry. Hazrat Qudama then stated that therefore I have agreed to the first marriage proposal as I consider it better. The Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, responded that this girl is an orphan and so she will marry whomsoever she pleases. She is fatherless and even though you might have agreed to the best match, however her consent should be sought. And the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, stated that she will accept the marriage proposal that she prefers. Thus, this was the decision of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. The narrator himself was the girl's relative and had sent a proposal for marriage. 
but he states that instead of him her marriage was settled with Murida, and they accepted the proposal which the girl and her mother had chosen. And so this is how the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, established freedom of choice for women and taught the Muslims to take special care of the orphan. He made sure that she was not wronged because her father had passed away. Therefore, in matters of marriage, the girl's opinion should be considered. Hazrat Qudama passed away on 36 Hijri at the age of 68. May Allah the Almighty enable us to follow in the footsteps of these individuals who had deep insight about faith and through their loyalty and faithfulness they showed an outstanding level of love for the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him. And may he safeguard us from becoming part of any kind of disorder. After the Friday prayers, I will lead two funeral prayers in absentia. The first funeral is of Mrs. Amtul Hafiz Bhatti Sahib, wife of Mahmood Bhatti Sahib of Karachi, who served as Sadr Lajna of the district of Karachi for a long time. She passed away on the 27th of September at the age of 93. To Allah we belong and to Him shall we return. Her father's name was Dr. Ghulam Ali and he was amongst the companions of the promised Messiah Due to the fact that her father served as a doctor in the army, they lived in several cities as he was stationed in various places. And wherever he would stay, he would ensure that there was a spiritual atmosphere around them. This was a unique characteristic of the companions, in that wherever they would reside, they would establish a spiritual atmosphere around them. And after a few months of preaching, most of the people under him would become Ahmadi. Moreover, Dr. Sahib would then establish a Jamaat and use his house as the centre. And in this manner he established several Jamaats. It was his desire for his family to derive benefit from the spiritual atmosphere of Qadiyan and therefore his family eventually settled in Qadiyan. Amtul Hafiz Sahib's mother also dedicated her life for the service of the Jamaat. Since 1936, Amtul Am Hafiz Sahiba derived benefit from the atmosphere of Qadiyan. Having completed her matriculation examination, she pursued religious studies until the fourth class. And during this time, she had the good fortune of regularly attending the Darsul Quran, i.e. the lecture series on the Holy Quran delivered by Hazrat Muslim ta'ala Anhu. She had been serving the Jamaat for as long as she could remember. She was married to the son of her maternal aunt, Mahmood Bhatti. There is a very detailed incident connected to their marriage. Hazrat Muslim Anhu states that I saw in a vision that the girl's mother sent me a letter through her daughter and inquired about a certain marriage proposal that had come and also mentioned his name. Thereafter, exactly what had been seen in the vision then happened wherein the girl came with the letter inquiring about the proposal. And so Hazrat Muslim Anhu approved this proposal and said, Exactly what I saw in my vision is now being fulfilled in exactly the same manner as I had seen. Thus Hazrat Muslim Anhu also agreed to this proposal. After their marriage in 1948, 
they settled in Karachi and she served diligently in Lajna in Mayalla of Karachi and alongside this she continued her studies and at a mature age she obtained a master's in Arabic from the University of Sindh in 1972 and she achieved this with an excellent first class result. In 1975, Abdul Hafiz Saiba's husband went to Africa for work purposes and from time to time she would also go to Africa. She worked as the national president for Lajna in Liberia. Then due to the civil war, they had to leave the country and return to Karachi. She is counted amongst the 5,000 Mujahideen for Tariq e and in 1991 she was elected as vice president and also secretary for education of the district. And during the Jubilee celebrations, she was awarded a degree for her 15 years of service from the Lajna Merkaziya, a Central Women's Association. From 1997 to 2018, she had the opportunity to serve as Sadr Lajna, i.e. the head of the Ladies Auxiliary Organization for the district of Karachi. She carried out many events throughout Karachi, which is a vast city. She held meetings with different offices and strengthened their administrative organization. Her services ran from 1938 to 2018, which is a span of 70 years. Amtul Noor Sahiba, who is currently serving as the president for the Lajna in Karachi, said, She rendered a great service for 70 years. Extremely kind-hearted, meeting others with a smile and softly spoken was ingrained in her nature. She was very punctual and whatever duty was assigned to her, she would note it down in her diary immediately, so that she would not forget it. And whenever she received any directive or instruction from the headquarters, she would call the relevant department and immediately notify them. She would not wait for the office to open and then convey the message. She always fulfilled her duties with great devotion and showed a true example in her complete devotion and obedience to the institution of Khilafat. Amtul Bari Nasir Sahiba has also worked along with her and she also wrote that she would get the work done in a very loving manner and would not let her subordinates feel as if she was asserting her status of an officer upon them. During her tenure, 50 books were published by Karachi's Jamaat and the book which has the entire collection of the Promised Messiah Wasalam's Persian works was published by Karachi Lajna during her tenure as their president. She had great patience and I believe that one of her greatest qualities was her patience and calmness. She further writes that she had the ability to ponder deeply into the matter, particularly in instances of domestic issues. She would listen to both parties and accordingly give advice. And her effort would always be to bring about a reconciliation. Even today, these domestic disputes and issues are increasing in our Jamaat. So may God Almighty guide both parties and that they should seek to resolve these issues and may he also guide the office bearers so they can effectively resolve these disputes. Then her daughter-in-law writes that she treated all her daughters-in-law like her own daughters and we could approach her and speak to her about any issue of ours without any kind of hesitation. Similarly, the General Secretary for the Lajna has also written that whilst running the office, she would treat us all equally and would always guide us. Her daughter-in-law then further writes 
that she paid great focus towards the recitation of the Holy Qur'an. She taught all her grandchildren how to read the Holy Qur'an and provided them their religious knowledge. She treated the workers in the house and also the poor with great kindness. In fact, if any of them passed away, she would take care of their family members too and would always strive to fulfill their rights. May God Almighty grant her his forgiveness and mercy and elevate her status and may God Almighty also enable her progeny to follow in her footsteps. The second funeral is of Adnan Vandenbroek Sahib who was the National Secretary of Amuri Kharja by External Affairs. He passed away on the 29th of September in Nalillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun to Allah we belong and to him shall we return. His father was Rizwan Vandenbroek Sahib, who was the first Belgian Ahmadi in the Belgium Jamaat who accepted Ahmadiyyat in the 60s. Adnan Sahib did not accept Ahmadiyyat because of his father. In fact, he said he wanted to research it for himself, and thereafter he did the bath in 1994. After accepting Ahmadiyyat, he was very active in the field of Tabligh, and in 1998 there was a Tabligh gathering in Belgium. And Hazrat Khalifatul Masih IV, Rahimullah, referring to him, said to the gathering that I have such a translator who can translate from English into French and Dutch. And by the grace of God Almighty, he was extremely helpful in this regard during those days. Dr. Idris Sahib, who is the national president of the Jamaat in Belgium, writes, He was suffering from cancer. And when, by the grace of God Almighty, his condition began to improve, he started coming to the mission house again. He would always say that it is due to the blessings of God Almighty that his health had improved, because all the other patients of this same illness had passed away. Right from the beginning, he was a member of Belgium's public relations team, and later, in 2016, I appointed him as the National Secretary of Amuri Kharja, i.e. External Affairs, and he also rendered this service with great diligence. He played a huge role in introducing the Jamaat at the government level. Amir Sahib further writes, He would go to the governmental offices with me, and he would tend to the administrative works of Amuri Kharja, even while he was ill in hospital during his last days. He was also a member of the Dutch translation team in Belgium and he spent great effort in translating various books into Dutch and also did the final review of the sermons. Similarly, he would review the translation of all the press releases. Amir Sahib then further writes that during my various travels he would express that his illness has proved to be a source of mercy for him because during this time he has had the opportunity to read the books of the Promised Messiah and other literature of the Jamaat and thus he said that his faith in God Almighty has further increased. Even during the course of his illness he remained content with the will of God Almighty and during his last days he would always advise his elder brother that he should spend less time in worldly endeavours and devote more time to Jamaat work. Amir Sahib also writes that he also used to tell me that his brother could be very useful in the Amuri Kharja team, 
and therefore I should get him to work for this. His mother says that Ahmadiyyat entered their family through Adnan Sahib's father, who lived in Iraq for seven years, and there he had the opportunity to read the Holy Quran, and he also accepted Islam there. When he came back to Holland, he met Imam Bashir Sahib, and as a result of his preaching, he accepted Ahmadiyyat. He also once met Hazrat Khalifatul Masih the Fourth, Rahimullah, in Belgium, and requested him to pray that may God Almighty enable him to remain steadfast. Adnan Sahib's mother further states, his father had no interest for worldly material. She says, my son Adnan also followed in the footsteps of his father. He offered his prayers regularly, served the Jamaat, and was loyal to the institution of Khilafat. He would listen to the Friday sermon every week and would also make his children listen to it too. He would always remain ready to serve the Jamaat and had a deep bond with the institution of Khilafat. May God Almighty elevate his status and grant him his forgiveness and mercy. May God Almighty grant the Jamaat with many devoted individuals like him. He leaves behind his wife, one son and one daughter. May God Almighty enable them to remain established on their faith and increase the strength of their faith.